Chapter Eighteen of Zanoni by Edward Bulwer Lytton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kirk Ziegler. Thus man pursues his weary calling and wrings the hard life from the sky, while happiness unseen is falling down from God's bosom silently. Schiller, in one of those islands whose history is the imperishable literature and renown of Athens, yet invest with melancholy interest and on which nature in whom there is nothing melancholy still bestows a glory of scenery and climate equally radiant for the freeman or the slave the ionian the venetian the gaul the turk or the restless briton zanoni had fixed his bridal home there the air carries with it the perfumes of the plains for miles along the blue translucent deep seen from one of its green sloping heights the island he had selected seemed one delicious garden the towers and turrets of its capital gleaming amidst groves of oranges and lemons vineyards and olive woods filling up the valleys and clambering along the hillsides and villa farm and cottage covered with luxuriant trestles of dark green leaves and purple fruit for there the prodigal beauty yet seems half to justify those graceful superstitions of that creed too enamoured of earth rather brought the deities to man than raised the man to their less alluring and less voluptuous olympus and still to the fishermen weaving yet their antique dances on the sand to the maiden adorning yet with many silver fibula her glossy tresses under the tree that overshadows her tranquil cot the same great mother that watched over the wise of samos the democracy of corcaia the graceful and deep-taught loveliness of miltus smiles as graciously as of yore for the north philosophy and freedom are essentials to human happiness in the lands which aphrodite rose from the waves to govern as the seasons hand in hand stood to welcome her on the shores nature is all-sufficient the isle which zanoni had selected was one of the loveliest in that divine sea his abode at some distance from the city but near one of the creeks on the shore belonged to a venetian and though small had more of elegance than the natives ordinarily cared for on the seas and in sight rode his vessel his indians as before ministered in mute gravity to the service of the household no spot could be more beautiful no solitude less invaded to the mysterious knowledge of zanoni to the harmless ignorance of viola the babbling and garish world of civilized man was alike unheeded the loving sky and the lovely earth were companions enough to wisdom and to ignorance while they love although as i have said before there was nothing in the visible occupations of zanoni that betrayed a cultivator of the occult sciences his habits were those of a man who remembers or reflects he loved to roam alone chiefly at dawn or at night when the moon was clear miles and miles away over the rich inlands of the island to call herbs and flowers which he hoarded with jealous care sometimes at the dead of night viola would wake by instinct that told her he was not by her side and stretching out her arms find that the instinct had not deceived her but she early saw that he was reserved on his peculiar habits and if at times a chill a foreboding a suspicious awe crept over her she forbore to question him but his rambles were not always unaccompanied he took pleasure in excursions less solitary often when the sea lay before them like a lake the barren dreariness of the opposite coast of cephalonia contrasting the smiling shores on which they dwelt viola and himself would pass days in cruising slowly around the coast or in visits to the neighboring isles 
every spot of the greek soil that fair fable land seemed to him familiar and as he conversed of the past and its exquisite traditions he taught viola to love the race from which have descended the poetry and the wisdom of the world there was much in zanoni as she knew him better that deepened the fascination in which viola was from the first enthralled his love for herself so tender so vigilant and had that best and most enduring attribute that it seemed rather grateful for the happiness in its own cares than vain of the happiness it created his habitual mood with who all approached him was calm and gentle almost to apathy an angry word never passed his lips an angry gleam never shot from his eyes once they had been exposed to the danger not uncommon in those half-savage lands some pirates who infested the neighboring coasts had heard of the arrival of the strangers and the seamen zanoni employed had gossiped of their master's wealth one night after viola had retired to rest she was awakened by a slight noise below zanoni was not by her side she listened in some alarm what was that groan that came upon her ear she started up she went to the door all was still a footstep now slowly approached and zanoni entered calm as usual and seemed unconscious of her fears the next morning three men were found dead at the threshold of the principal entrance the door which had been forced they were recognized in the neighborhood as the most sanguinary and terrible marauders of the coast men stained with a thousand murders and who had never hitherto failed in any attempt to which the lust of rapine had impelled them the footsteps of many others were tracked to the seashore it seemed that their accomplices must have fled on the death of their leaders but when the venetian provitore or authority of the island came to examine the matter the most uncountable mystery was the manner in which these ruffians had met their fate zanoni had not stirred from the apartment in which he ordinarily pursued his chemical studies none of the servants had even been disturbed from their slumbers no marks of human violence were on the bodies of the dead they died and made no sign from that moment zanoni's house nay the whole vicinity was scared the neighboring villages rejoiced to be delivered from the scourge regarded the stranger as one whom the pagiana held under her special protection in truth the lively greeks round facile to all external impressions and struck with the singular and majestic beauty of the man who knew their language as a native whose voice often cheered them in their humble sorrows and whose hand was never closed to their wants long after he had left their shore preserved his memory by grateful traditions and still point to the lofty platanus beneath which they had often seen him seated alone and thoughtful in the heats of noon but zanoni had less haunts open to the gaze than the shade of the platanus in that isle there were bituminous springs which herodotus had commemorated often at night the moon at least beheld him emerging from the myrtle and cystus that clothed the hillocks around the marsh that embed the pools containing the inflammable materia all the medical uses of which as applied to the nerves of organic life modern science has not yet perhaps explored yet more often he would pass his hours in a cavern by the loneliest parts of the beach where the stalactites seemed almost arranged by the hand of art and which the superstition of the peasants associates in some ancient legends with the numerous and almost incessant earthquakes to which the island is so singularly subjected whatever the pursuits that instigated these wanderings and favored these haunts either they were linked with or else subordinate to one main and master desire which every fresh day passed in the sweet human company of viola confirmed and strengthened the scene that glyndon had witnessed in his trance was faithful to the truth 
and some little time after the date of that night viola was dimly aware of that influence she knew not of what nature was struggling to establish itself over her happy life visions indistinct and beautiful such as those she had known in her early days but more constant and impressive began to haunt her night and day when zanoni was absent to fade in his presence and seem less fair than that zanoni questioned her eagerly and minutely of these visitations but seemed dissatisfied and at times perplexed by her answers tell me not he said one day of those unconnected images those evolutions of starry shapes in a choral dance or those delicious melodies that seem to thee of the music and the language of the distant spheres has no one shape been to thee more distinct and more beautiful than the rest no voice uttering or seeming to utter thine own tongue and whispering to thee of strange secrets and solemn knowledge no all is confused in these dreams whether of day or night and when at the sound of thy footsteps i recover my memory retains nothing but a vague impression of happiness how different how cold to the rapture of hanging on thy smile and listening to thy voice when it says i love thee yet how is it that visions less fair than these once seemed to thee so alluring how is it that they then stirred thy fancies and filled thy heart once thou didst desire a fairyland and now thou seemest so contented with common life have i not explained it to thee before is it common life then to love and to live with the one we love my true fairyland is one speak to me of no other and so night surprised them by the lonely beach and zanoni allured from his sublimer projects and bending over that tender face forgot that in the harmonious infinite which spread around there were other worlds than that one human heart there is a principle of soul superior to all nature through which we are capable of surpassing the order and systems of the world when the soul is elevated to natures better than itself then it is entirely separated from subordinate natures exchanges this for another life and deserting the order of things with which it was connected links and mingles itself with another adonai adonai appear appear and in the lonely cave whence one had gone forth the oracles of a heathen god there emerged from the shadows of fantastic rocks a luminous and gigantic column glittering and shifting it resembled the shining but misty spray which seen afar off a fountain seems to send up on a starry night the radiance lit the stalactites the crags the arches of the cave and shed a pale and tremulous splendor on the features of zanoni son of eternal light said the invoker thou whose knowledge grade after grade race after race i attained at last on the broad chaldean plains thou from whom i have drawn so largely of the unutterable knowledge that yet eternity alone can suffice to drain thou who congenial with myself so far as our various beings will permit hast been for centuries my familiar and my friend answer me and counsel from the column there emerged a shape of imaginable glory its face was that of a man in its first youth but solemn as with the consciousness of eternity and the tranquillity of wisdom light like the star-beams flowed through its transparent veins light made its limbs themselves and undulated in restless sparkles through the waves of its dazzling hair with its arms folded on its breast it stood distant a few feet from zanoni and in its low voice murmured gently my counsels were sweet to thee once and once night after night 
thy soul could follow my wings through the untroubled splendors of the infinite now thou hast bound thyself back to the earth by its strongest chains and the attraction to clay is more potent than the sympathies that drew to thy charms the dweller of the starbeam and the air when last thy soul hearkened to me the senses hardly troubled thine intellect and obscured thy vision once again i come to thee but thy power even to summon me to thy side is fading from thy spirit as sunshine fades from the wave when the winds drive the cloud between the ocean and the sky alas adonai answered the seer mournfully i know too well the conditions of the being which thy presence was wont to rejoice i know that our wisdom comes but from the indifference to the things of the world which the wisdom masters the mirror of the soul cannot reflect both earth and heaven and the one vanishes from the surface as the other is glassed upon its deeps but it is not to restore me to that sublime abstraction in which the intellect free and disembodied rises region after region to the spheres that once again and with the agony of travail of enfeebled power i have called thee to mine aid i love and in love i begin to live in the sweet humanities of another if wise yet in all which makes danger powerless against myself or those on whom i gaze from the calm height of indifferent science i am blind to the merest mortal to the destinies of the creature that makes my heart beat with the passions which obscure my gaze what matter answered adonai thy love must be but a mockery of the name thou canst not love as they do for whom they are death and the grave a short time like a day in thy incalculable life and the form thou dotest on is dust others of the nether worlds go hand in hand each with each unto the tomb hand in hand they ascend from the worm to the new cycles of existence for thee below are ages for her but hours and for her and thee o poor but mighty one there will be even a joint thereafter through what grades and heavens of spiritualized being will her soul have passed when thou the solitary loiterer comes from the vapors of the earth to the gates of light son of the starbeam thinkest thou that this thought is not with me for ever and seest thou not that i have invoked thee to hearken and minister to my design readest thou not my desire to dream to raise the conditions of her being to my own thou adonai bathing the celestial joy that makes thy life in the oceans of eternal splendor thou saved by the sympathies of knowledge canst conjecture not what i the offspring of mortals feel debarred yet from the objects of the tremendous and sublime ambition that the first winged my desires above the clay when i see myself compelled to stand in this low world alone i have sought amongst my tribe for comrades and in vain at last i have found a mate the wild bird and the wild beast have theirs and my mastery over the malignant tribes of terror can banish their larva from the path that shall lead her upward till the air of eternity fits the frame for the elixir that baffles death and thou hast begun the initiation and thou art foiled i know it thou hast conjured her to sleep in the fairest visions thou hast invoked the loveliest children of the air to murmur their music in her trance and her soul needs them not and returning to the earth escapes from their control blind one wherefore canst thou not perceive because in her soul all is love there is no intermediate passion in which the things thou wouldst charm her to have association and affinities their attraction is but to the desires and cravings of the intellect what have they with the passion that is of earth and hope 
that goes direct to heaven but there can be no medium no link in which our souls as our hearts can be united and so mine may have influence over her own ask me not thou wilt not comprehend me i adjure thee speak when two souls are divided knowest thou not that a third in which both meet and live is the link between them i do comprehend thee adonai said zanoni with a light of more human joy upon his face than it had ever been seen to wear and if my destiny which here is dark to mine eyes vouchsafes to me the happy lot of the humble if ever there be a child that i might clasp to my bosom and call it my own and is it to be man at last that thou hast inspired to be more than man but a child a second viola murmured zanoni scarcely heeding the sun of light a young soul fresh from heaven that i may rear from the first moment it touches earth whose wings i may train to follow mine through the glories of creation and through whom the mother herself may be led upward over the realm of death beware reflect knowest thou not thy darkest enemy dwells in the real thy wishes bring thee nearer and nearer to humanity ah humanity is sweet answered zanoni and as the seer spoke on the glorious face of adoni there broke a smile end of chapter eighteen recording by kirk ziegler ogden utah voiceover solutions dot com